us. We're thankful for the gospel this morning. We're so thankful for the free gift of your grace today. We're so thankful that the good news of our salvation is that we receive your righteousness as a gift. We don't build up any righteousness of our own. That our hope is truly found in nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. So Lord, we just stand together today and we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the healing, for the forgiveness, for the restoration, for the freedom. Every good thing that you pour out into our lives through the blood of Jesus. And, and we just boast only in your cross this morning. We boast only in your cross this morning. And we boast in a cross that, we boast in a payment that is enough, Lord, not just to forgive us and cleanse us, but a payment that was enough to to truly set us free. So would we be a people, Lord, that, that run towards the light, that run towards the light with one another, that link arm in arm as we go after all the freedom that you purchased for us, Jesus. Let us not stop short of an ounce of what you paid for to give us. So we just thank you for the gospel today, Jesus. Thank you for all the mercies that every single one of us in this room has been shown. Would it just fill our hearts again today with gratitude and affection for you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We honor you. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, um, you know, we... We say it a lot around here. Some of y'all are probably tired of hearing us say it, but we say a lot around here that this is a place where you can become family. And the nature of family is that um, we link arms together in the good times and in the hard times, right? And, um, and so I, there, it's hard to, to, to know how to give appropriate space to something like this in our church family because um, there's just layers of impact um, in the situation we've been talking about this morning. And some are impacted very deeply. Some of you might hardly even know what we're talking about. Um, but part of family is that we walk through these things together with openness and, and honesty. And so as you have questions or thoughts or anything in the days ahead, if you do, um, you can bring them to our elder leadership team, and we'd be happy to discuss that with you. Um, we're moving on in the grace of Jesus this morning, and we're going to take the next just 20 minutes here to wrap up our marriage series, and I have good news this morning. If you're not married, we're going to talk about you for the first at least half of this 20-minute sermon, okay? <laughs> and you guys have been sitting around going, man, all this marriage talk, like, come on, man, I'm not there yet. But can we just acknowledge together that nobody is, if you're here this morning, you're married, nobody has ever been married that wasn't first single, Right? And, and nobody was ever married that wasn't first, after being single, dating at some point, right? And then after dating at some point, engaged at some point. So we're, 
we're all just on the spectrum in this journey together. And so our, our heart is never to exclude anyone, but there's just something powerful that the Lord has for our church family in terms of marriage and family and, the, and creating a city on a hill. We kind of talked about at the beginning of this series. There's just something so powerful about what God intends to do through marriage and through families. And Tyler did such an amazing job last week unpacking the the, the, the powerful role of the father and just the devastation of fatherlessness and that void that happens, we see that all around us. So it's so important that we really properly honor marriage and the place of family in our communities really as, a, as the tip of the spear for, for God's kingdom. But if you're not there yet, that's okay. We're all in this journey together. And the amazing thing I love about God is that he has created life and ordered life in such a way that no matter where you are, no matter what season of life you're in, there are these incredible opportunities to get to know him more and to grow in relationship with him. And the opportunities all along the way, they're very unique opportunities and they're amazing opportunities. Whether you're single, whether you're engaged, married, whatever, God's ordered life in this, if you think about it, this incredibly cool way to where there's progressive revelation for us available in every season. And so I want to stop and just go back and unpack some of these things and some of these seasons. And I felt like what the Lord was kind of putting on my heart was that every season has opportunities, challenges, and a test. So there's an opportunity, a challenge, and a test of singleness. There's an opportunity, a challenge, and a test of dating. There's an opportunity, a challenge, you get, you get where I'm going, right? In each season, there are these opportunities to grow and know God more. There are challenges that come our way that need to be overcome, and then there's tests. And with any opportunity, it can be missed. With any challenge, it can be really difficult, right? I mean, the nature of a challenge is that it's challenging, you know? And with any test, we can... Pass or fail that test. So I kind of want to, I want to just play some honor because I know, how many guys in the room, you're single today? Raise your hand, single folks out there. Okay, now look around the room, all right? And okay, just scope out. Okay, your dating pool. Hey, let's be real. Where's a better place to find a, a, you know, a potential husband or wife? We don't need to be, we don't need to shy away from that or shame away from that. I hope you are looking for your future husband or wife at church and not Saturday night at the bar, okay? I promise you the, well, we'll leave that story. If you've heard Tyler and Ashley's story, I mean, it's kind of the asterisk by that rule, okay? Podcast it later. It's a good one. Um, so the, but there's a, we, we need to be real. If you're single, and you have a desire and want to get married and have a family and be a part of what God's doing through his kingdom in, in the church, then, then man, there's a healthy place for, for single gals and single guys to be, to be looking around and saying, okay, Lord, who's a, who's a man or a woman of God that I could see myself uh, getting to know and growing and potentially building a future with? And so in singleness, um, I really feel like the, the opportunity of singleness is to find your portion in God alone and to discover that he is actually big enough to satisfy your need for relationship, for connection, and intimacy. There's this incredible opportunity in singleness to realize that God is actually enough for you. And some of my favorite 
memories. I was single for a long time walking with Jesus. I, I got married when I was 26, and I started walking with Jesus when I was 19. So for about seven years, I was single and walking with Jesus. And guys, I honestly, I, I remember when I was single, some of, my, most of my favorite times with the Lord would be at night, I would get into bed at the end of the day, and I would just lay in bed, and I would just talk with Jesus. And I would fall asleep as a single guy in my early 20s, I would fall asleep just talking to Jesus almost every night. And it like became this really like sacred place for me as a single guy in my relationship with the Lord. And frankly, when we got married and I then started to have to like share a bed with somebody, something was lost, you know? And I love, you know, marriage is great and there's, there's a lot of other perks that come in with it, all right? And sharing a bed with your wife, but I'm, I'm being honest, something was lost that was only really available in that season. And it was special. There was an opportunity in singleness for me to know the Lord and to get to know him more. And it was powerful. It was powerful. The challenge of singleness, I think, is to not miss those growth opportunities because you're constantly wishing that you weren't single, you know? I think that sometimes we often get distracted by our, our own dreams or our own longings for the future. And those longings are legitimate. Just don't let them distract you from your current opportunities. I think that's a challenge of singleness. And then I think that one of the tests of singleness is can you trust God's timing and conduct yourself in purity and patience? Can you trust God's timing and conduct yourself in purity and patience? I think that's a huge test of this season of singleness. But with Jesus, man, there's such an amazing opportunity as a single person to really cultivate this space in your life where, where God is your first love. And I would say that if you will take advantage of your singleness to establish Jesus as your first love, that when you get into dating, when you get into engagement and eventually unto marriage, that will not be moved. And as amazing as marriage is and amazing as the love of is with your spouse, the, the seasoned married couples in the room will tell you, you know what? The only reason my marriage is still working is because Jesus is still my first love. Yes. And most marriages that get on the rocks and begin to really struggle is that peace gets off and the spouses start actually looking to each other to fulfill needs of heart and soul that only Jesus can, can fulfill, which no human can do, and the relationship gets off kilter because the husband starts looking to the wife to fulfill things that only Jesus can fulfill. And if you just would keep Jesus as your first love, then you wouldn't put that pressure on her. So it's so critical. It's such an amazing opportunity of singleness. Dating, we got any folks that are like dating, maybe kind of went on a couple dates. I see some slow hands. I don't know, Amy. Uh, am I dating? Are we? Okay, come on, D-Lock, you got a girlfriend, all right. Yeah. Okay, so there's like, there's this clear progression out of singleness into I hopefully at church or at life group identified a solid young man or woman of God that I'm kind of attracted to and they seem kind of cool. Let's go get some coffee. And there's a honoring kingdom way to do this. And I really, really hope if you are single and you're considering dating or you are dating, I really hope that you're not getting your dating advice from like your latest Netflix binge, okay? I really hope that you're not looking at the world to learn how to date because it will, it will 
create so many issues that you will be unpacking your baggage for so long. Please find a, a young couple that's a, a notch or two ahead of you. Maybe there's, it's an engaged couple. They're section leaders in the college ministry or, or it's a young married couple that's in our young adult zone or our family zone that, that they've done it before you and go to them and say, go, go to anybody that, that you see that is, has a healthy stage ahead of you. Say, how do we do this well? And we don't have time for the full-on dating talk this morning, but there's an honoring kingdom way to do these things. So I think one of the opportunities of dating is to learn how to pursue somebody of the opposite sex with honor, to learn how to, to, go, to, to, learn how to pursue somebody with honor. And what happens in that process is you begin to self-discover a bunch of your own fears and a bunch of your own sin, frankly, that is, that's getting in the way of you doing this in an honoring way. And so dating can be this incredible time of self-discovery if you're humble enough to acknowledge, my junk is getting in the way here. Maybe it's my selfishness. Maybe it's my brokenness from my past. For me, that's what it was. For dating, it was the brokenness of my past was getting in the way of me being able to date like a healthy person. I've shared some of this before at the beginning of this series, but my parents got divorced when I was 14 years old. My little family of five kind of multiplied. Both my parents got remarried within a few years, and everything about commitment and family commitment just kind of exploded. And so years down the road, I started walking with Jesus, and I was at Texas A&M, and, you know, I'm a decently handsome fella at the best university on the planet. There's all these mighty women of God at A&M. I mean, it's just like, if you're looking for a woman of God, go to Texas A&M University. I mean, it's like, they're all over the place. But for me in college, what would happen time and time again was I would see a young lady that I was somewhat interested in, and, and I would initiate, and we'd go get coffee. We'd go on a couple dates, and usually it would last about three weeks max, and then I would bail. I would find something that was uncomfortable or wrong. Usually it was right around the time that I could tell they were kind of taking an interest in me, and I would bail. And this happened over and over and over again for me in college. I did not have a dating relationship in college that lasts longer than three weeks. And my senior year, I had this dear friend of mine who was a female. We had never had like dating interests, but she knew me. She saw my life clearly. And she came to me and she, said, she, she asked to go out to lunch with me. I just want to talk to you about something. And she sat me down at lunch and she said, Chris, I've watched your life over the last few years. And I think that there's a chance that you have some some brokenness from your parents' divorce, some fear of commitment that's really affecting your way to pursue the opposite sex with honor. And, and I think that you've got some commitment fears and some stuff that you haven't dealt with from your parents' divorce. And guys, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I was so prideful and so blind that I looked at this sweet girl, this friend of mine, and I said, thank you so much for sharing that with me, but you're wrong. And I just totally wrote her off. And four years later, when we finally got engaged, and all of my baggage and all of my fear and all of my brokenness from my parents' divorce was exploding with destructive force, I'll get there in a second, in our engagement, I literally looked this girl up on Facebook, and I said, I am so sorry you were right, and I should have listened to you. And God is good, and hey, I landed the right one for me, okay? And, but, but she went through the ringer with me because I wouldn't face, she did. Thanks, Ashley. 
because I wouldn't face the brokenness of my past during dating. I wouldn't face it sooner. I wasn't humble enough to listen to the people around me. Okay, so it's a huge opportunity of dating is to, to, to begin to discover what are the things in me that are gonna hold me back from a healthy marriage one day and to, to, to deal with those things. The challenge of dating is to keep Jesus as your first love and not to set up this person that you're probably really getting interested in or maybe you're starting to, to have deep emotions for to not replacing Jesus for that person. It's a, it's a major challenge for dating to not lose your identity as this person that loves Jesus more than you love anybody else. And again, the test of dating is, can you trust God's timing and conduct yourself in purity and patience? In engagement with Arlena, I came to this point where um, I had begun to realize there was so much, I, was, I really had issues, and um, I didn't know a whole lot about what biblical love was. And so I searched the scriptures. We were dating long distance at the time, which long distance for me was just about the right distance, you know? So... <laughs> That's how I got over that fear hurdle was you stay in California, I'll stay here in Texas, and we'll be about that close, you know? But that's actually how we made it over some of those hurdles was the distance kind of helped me not freak out, frankly, because I had all this stuff, these fears. But I got to a point where I said, God, I need you to school me in what love is because I'm all over the place. I've got these fears. I've got these emotions, and I don't even know what love is. So, God, I need you to school me in it. And I spent a season of searching the scriptures going, God, I need you to define biblical love for me. And that's really where this whole thing's gonna land this morning. I need you to define biblical love for me because I grew up in such a, a just a messed up paradigm of love and affection and, and, and intimacy and all that stuff that I just, I feel like lost in the wilderness without a compass. Lord, give me a compass. And for a couple of months, I searched the scriptures, and time and time again, the Lord showed me this incredible, simple, profound truth about love, and that it was a choice. It was not some ooey-gooey emotion. It was not a, a crush. It was not an infatuation. That the love of Jesus was his choice to sacrifice himself to bring me good. And I began, I just had this simple revelation that Jesus didn't die on the cross for me because he like had some crush on me, right? Because he had some emotional, like, thing for me, right? Like, he, he died on the cross. He chose to endure the cross for the joy set before him of pulling me into redemption, right? So it was so simple, but it was so profound, and it actually helped me walk into a place where I said, okay, Lord, here's a woman of God. I have no question about her character, and, and I think I can choose her. And so I it began a journey of choosing Arlena and asked her to marry me, and thankfully she chose me back, and she said yes. And it was all really, really beautiful and fun until I actually put the ring on her finger, and then I freaked out. Now, I'm sharing a little bit about my story because oftentimes there are, there are things that a dating relationship cannot handle, okay? So there are, there, one of the opportunities of engagement 
is for you to begin to grow in deeper vulnerability with the person that you are committing to, okay? And so often in that engagement season, some of the more heavy hitter issues will come out that weren't there in dating. Any engaged couples, you're like, yeah, we got engaged and the pressure, yeah, I see you back there, bro, okay? I've talked to so many couples that were like, man, everything was so cool until we got engaged. Now this is so hard. Who is this crazy person? But, <laughs> but for real, the dating relationship like, can't sustain some of your baggage. But as soon as you put a ring on and there's that, that next level of commitment, it's like, hey, you got to deal with this. Because walking away from an engagement ring, I mean, that's tough. And honestly, there were times in our engagement where I wanted to bail. And if I did not have a ring on her finger, I would have bailed because I was, there was stuff in me, guys, and I know that I'm not alone here, from your childhood, from, from hard stuff in families, from divorce, whatever, I was so afraid that I was gonna, I was just gonna follow the footsteps of my forefathers and all these divorces and all these generations behind me and I wasn't gonna be able to do it. I was freaked out. But the engagement process created this period where we had to deal with it, and thankfully, where she did not bail. The challenge of engagement is to not be scared or run off by what is exposed in engagement. It's to hang in there. And the test of engagement is, can you trust God's timing and conduct yourself with purity and patience? Are you noticing a trend here? All of this stuff, all of the, no matter what season you're in, there's this amazing test for us in relationships to trust God's timing and to conduct ourselves in purity and patience, which is amazing because I have a, a, you know, a little bit of a revelation for those of you that aren't married, but marriage is not like the end of the road. You know, it's, like, it's actually just the beginning. And there's gonna be so many other things on the other side of your marriage where you have to trust God's timing and conduct yourself in purity and patience. You see what I'm saying? So if you'll submit yourself to God through all these seasons before you're married, then you actually will be so prepared once you are married to trust God's timing and conduct yourself in purity and patience. You know what I'm saying? There's so many rich opportunities. So I just want to say we honor you single folks, you dating, you gay, it's a whole deal. It's a beautiful journey if you'll let Jesus be the king of it. Yeah. When we start doing it our own way, and I'm, I did it my own way and made some mistakes, guys, even with Arlena, I won't get into that today, but I made some mistakes in our own journey because I took the wheel instead of submitting to Jesus and saying, what are you doing here? And so I want us to land this morning on... 1 Corinthians 13, because at the end of the day, whether you're single or married, whether you've been married for two years or for 52 years, at the end of the day, God's invitation for all of us this morning is very simple, and it's the same, and it is to love like he loves. It is for us to submit ourselves to the word of God and allow him to define what love is in our lives and not for us to define it or us to let our culture define it because, man, if you've been paying attention to our culture, this is one of the areas that they, that they have distorted more than all the rest. And so if we're gonna be a biblical people, that means we've gotta let the Bible define love for us and not the prevailing winds of our culture. Are you with me? 
So I want us to read 1 Corinthians 13. And, you know, this tends to be the famous wedding passage, and we kind of, you know, I, I, I don't like that this has happened to this passage, but we kind of like, we kind of hear 1 Corinthians 13, and we're kind of like, huh, uh, the, you know, like, the love, oh yeah, that's the thing I hear at the wedding. You know what I'm saying? And we kind of just like dismiss it or act like it's lesser than because every wedding quotes it or something, you know? And that's, I don't, uh, far be it from us to ever do that with like a passage of God's inspired word. To be, oh, cute, First Corinthians 13. No, that's cute for marriages. No, this is like the definition Ephesians 5, chapter 1, Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2 says, be imitators of God as beloved children. This is the greatest calling of our lives as children of God. I want to say this first, is to learn how to imitate our Father. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And verse 2 says, walk in love. What does it mean to imitate God? How do we imitate God as his children? We walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. The calling of being his children is to imitate him. How do we imitate him? We walk in love. What is love biblically? We give ourselves up. We give ourselves away. We sacrifice. And then 1 Corinthians 13, we'll go back there, is obviously this incredible unpacking of what biblical love actually is. I can stand up here and speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith to remove mountains and cast out demons and see people healed, but if I have not love for the people closest to me, for the wife living under my roof, I have nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I tithe 10, 15, 20%, I sell all my possessions and move to the nations and give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. I gain nothing. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. It never quits. It never gives up. It never stops saying I'm sorry. It never stops humbling itself. And the amazing thing about this passage is that you don't have to read it very long to get convicted. Are you with me? Anyone like, oh, could you please just stop at verse four, you know? Let's just run it back real quick, okay? So starting with um, verse four. And let's just do this because we're in a community that's honest and vulnerable and we walk in the light, okay? So I'm just gonna invite you to raise your hand when you start to feel convicted, okay? And we'll see how, Mitchell, yeah, he's already up. Okay, praise God. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Sorry, babe. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. I'm sorry, Caleb. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Church, 
This is, the, this is biblical love. This is, this is what we've got to, we've got to take our lives and we've got to put our lives up against this passage. We've got to put our lives under the word of God and say, Lord, search me, know me, expose me, show me where I'm wrong. And we've got to let the word of God win. We've got to bend our lives to come underneath this. We've got to learn to be imitators of our father. We've got to learn how to imitate him. And every place that the scripture exposes and says, you're missing the mark. We say, you're right. I'm sorry. And we humble ourselves and we ask for the grace to be imitators of God and to love like he loves. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're dating, we ask for grace to love like he loves. That's the calling. It's so much more about love than it is about marriage and all these, these seasons. We're all going to go through these different seasons, right? The heart is, can we imitate God and love like he loves? And I want you guys to stand up as we close. The band can come up here. And I just want to share one last little story. Um, really, the story of how this sermon even came to be this morning from 1 Corinthians 13. And it's because... I was failing so miserably in my own marriage this past week. And my wife and I, Arlena, we, it was, um, oh, I guess it was Wednesday night or something. I can't remember. We just got back from being overseas for a couple weeks, visiting some of our teams, uh, our, our long-term teams that are out this summer. It was amazing. They're doing a great job. So I kind of lost track of the days. But the point of the story is we got into a little bit of um, well, let's just say, if you're here uh, last week when Tyler preached on living with your wife in an understanding way, I, I missed that sermon and I needed to hear it, okay? Because I was not living with Arlena in a very understanding way. And there was some decisions, there was a, a decision that I was kind of leading our family in that I was feeling quite good about. And um, as, as Arlena often needs to do, she was processing it, which is great. And part of living with your wife in an understanding way is giving her room to process what she needs to process. But frankly, I was missing the mark on about half of those 1 Corinthians 13 things, and I just didn't really care about her process. I just kind of wanted her to get on board, you know? And, and I was rude, and I was irritable, and I was just flat out, Ashley's nodding her head at me. Yeah, I was being a jerk. Yes, I was. And... So we, we go to bed that night, and honestly, one of the few times in our 10 years of marriage that, like, we, I kind of gave her the cold shoulder, you know? I was just kind of irritated and rude and sort of thought like I was right, but mostly just knew that I was kind of being a punk, you know? And I wake up the next morning early to spend time with Jesus. You can imagine how that went, right? As soon as I, like come into the place where I'm like, you know, put on some worship music and I'm like gonna draw near, I'm like to start worshiping Jesus. I just, I just felt like there was a target on my back, you know, like, okay, Lord, I know I'm wrong. And my whole time with the Lord that morning was, was, was me just humbling myself and going, God, I'm such a jerk. Why was I, why was I like that? What is going on? And, and I, I asked the Lord, I said, what do you wanna say to me? I know I'm wrong, but I don't really know all the reasons how and why. What do you wanna say to me? And he said just a few very short words. He said, 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> and I go and I read 1 Corinthians 13, 
And just like all of you, just all along the way, I was like, oh my gosh. And I just had to humble myself before the Lord and before Arlena for all the ways that I was missing love. And did my best to follow through and honor her that morning and bless her and show her my love and actually walk those things out. The point is, is that all of us are gonna swing and miss on the love mark. But will we humble ourselves before the Lord and before those around us that we've missed the mark with? And will we say, God, make me, a, make me an imitator of you. Teach me how to love like you love. So we're gonna just finish this morning. We're gonna sing Build My Life. Just, just sent a, a declaration that we wanna be a people, whether single, dating, engaged, wherever you're at this morning, whatever season, but we wanna be people that have founded our lives upon the biblical love of Jesus, amen? So we're gonna go ahead, we'll have a few people up here, prayer teamers, life group leaders, if you wanna come up, and if you need to pray with somebody, they'd love to pray with you, but can we just give our hearts to Jesus and submit our hearts to his word and respond this morning? All right, Lord, we just say, search us and know us and make us like you. In Jesus' name, amen.